You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show set out to bring you news, interesting topics and interviews with people mostly from Europe, building bridges and breaking down language barriers to show the world how active and awesome the skeptical movement is in the region. This is episode 305. I'm your host, Andras Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Annika Harrison and Pontus Böckmann. Sziasztok! Good day, mate. <laughs> hey, son, hey, son. This is, in truth, a worldwide recording <laughs> coming to you from the It ESP. is indeed. Yes. Very subtle way of letting us know that she's in Australia. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Covering lots of time zones. That's great. Exactly. <laughs> so how how far ahead are you yeah, so it's, from us? It, I think it's 10 hours. So like it's 8.20 in the morning of Wednesday here. Ah, right. That is ridiculous. Yeah, you're okay. already in tomorrow. <laughs> yes, I'm from the future. Yeah. Annika from the future. <laughs> Very good. Very good. <laughs> what What does the future look like? Uh, sunny, warm. Okay. Warm. I'm afraid we all know that, but know about that. Yeah. No <laughs> yeah, snow, yeah. right? No snow. Is there snow in Sweden, Pontus? Yeah, we have had our first... Uh, first. There was a little bit of snow a couple of weeks ago, but that didn't count, but... This time, I, I believe we may get a, a white Christmas also here in uh, the south of Sweden, where I am. It started snowing this morning, and it's about three below zero, and it's supposed to stay that way for a couple of days. So, um, yeah, maybe we'll cool get a white that. Christmas. Ooh. It's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like the ones I used to know. Not exactly like <laughs> the ones we used to know, because uh, there will be restrictions in Sweden, believe it or not, or not. So okay. Just today, there were some new... Uh, well, you wouldn't call it restrictions. It's more like COVID measures in Sweden because there's they, okay. nothing is really mandatory and it's partly legal because they can't really do it, but they can recommend, strongly recommend. So with their new recommendations as of 23rd of December, you can no longer sit together too close in restaurants. You have to have... 10 square meters per person if you visit uh, or if you arrange a trade fair or a commercial place, things like that, sports, cultural events, university lectures are encouraged to to be remotely, uh, at least as an alternative. Any event with more than 500 people require vaccine passes and uh, you have to divide, a crowd like that has to be divided into groups of maximum eight so that'll be a challenge. I don't know how they're going to do that. Yeah, what about family gatherings? No one cares about that. I mean, no, no one, no one will tell you how to gather or not gather with your own family, right? No, they haven't said anything about uh, family meetings or said, except of course mm. the general things: be careful, don't uh, be in company with others unnecessarily, try to to mm-hmm. be sensible. They've started also to uh, issue the booster shots. I have to mm. wait a couple of weeks because it has to be six months since your second booster. So I'll have to wait until January for my third shot. The, the feeling mm. of that this is now over has quickly passed and uh, we're going back into... And we've never yeah. had lockdown, yeah. but we're going back into restrictions and, and being careful. And the thing that people are questioning here now from the other side is that why didn't you implement the use of vaccine passes more than you did? Yeah, when you if you if it's more than five hundred people, you have to have it. But even in in shops, coffee shops, restaurants, you could do it like they do in Italy, in France, and in many other countries. 
and I don't know why. We do have the technology. Most people I know do have a COVID vaccine pass, so why not use that? In many, many cases, when people have a, vac- a COVID pass and they have been vaccinated or they, they have had their, their full vaccination cycle, they just lean back and think that everything is fine now and they don't even have to wear masks or, or right. things like that. But that's not the case. That's not the case. So even if you're fully vaccinated, you're fully immunized, you should still be wearing masks because we yeah. know now, we've known this for a long, long time, that that none of the vaccines is effective to that extent that it stops the transmission of the, the virus as well. So you have to be still very, very careful. Yeah, no single measure is doing everything. You have to combine it. You have to do masks and That's vaccines right. and keep your distance and all of it together because nothing is 100% foolproof. Yeah, in Germany, they actually use the picture of a Swiss cheese. So there are holes Mm. on different places, but if you put all the measures together, then you can't get through. Right. But they have to be stacked. It can't only be one measure like the vaccine or masks or so. Are you telling me people are walking around with Swiss cheese in front of their face now, like a face mask? Yes. Yes, okay. that's, that's uh, very good, actually. <laughs> no, but no, you have don't many take layers. medical advice. <laughs> don't take medical, medical Quite advice smelly from this podcast. Stuff. <laughs> Please don't take any of it. Don't take us seriously, ever. Yes. <laughs> but that brings something to my mind that uh, next week, on the 27th, mm-hmm. I'm supposed to travel to Italy with a group. So I haven't done a a tour in a long, long time. I will not do any of them after this either. I ended up not going to Dubai because of my family issue with the... the, Yeah, we had a brush brush with COVID. But now, it turns out that the Italians implemented new rules. So the only way for for anyone to enter the country is to have a full vaccination cycle with only the Western vaccines that are accepted by the EMA, and also have a negative, either a negative lateral flow test that's uh, not older than 24 hours, or a PCR test that's not older than 48 hours. And of course, obviously, you have to wear a mask all the time. So I think those measures can make traveling as a tourist, even as a tourist, the safest you can get out of it. I kind of ha- still have a mixed feeling about traveling in these times, but with those measures in place, I think even if there's no guarantee that we are, we're going to be uh, safe, but uh, that means that we do everything in our power to do, to to make sure that hmm. that everyone is safe. I quite like that. I hope that that, that nothing bad happens while we're there. So do we. Oh, by the yeah. way, I know we have we have listeners from Italy, so if we both mask up and we can find a time, I'll be around the Naples area, so the the Naples, uh, the Bay of Naples, around the time of New Year's Eve. So drop me a line if if you're around the area and and you want to meet up, we can try to to figure out something. I would be more than happy to meet up. Anyhow, we still have a show, right? Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> to do. Yeah, why don't we move on to the first usual segment? That is. Twish, also known as This Week in Skeptical History. And I can't believe that we haven't done this before during Christmas time. We haven't talked about Christmas yet. Ah. (laughs) Yeah, by Christmas I mean 
the nativity of Jesus Christ, the Savior, the Lord, or what have you. But there is this date that sounds completely arbitrary when you think about it, but it's not necessarily so. However, we all know that Christmas is celebrated on the 25th of December. In most countries. Unless you're in Germany. In most countries, in most countries, there are countries where the old calendar is still followed as uh, where to put uh, the um, celebration of Christmas. In some countries, it's January the 7th. uh, In others, it's January the 6th. For example, in Armenia, it's definitely January the 6th, uh, which is usually linked to the Epiphany instead of... uh, the mm-hmm. birth of Jesus. Uh, yeah, there are those small differences. But um, do you know what Christmas means, by the way? It's Christmas Mass, right? Chris- it's Christ's Mass. Sorry, Christ's Mass. Yes, that's what I yeah. meant to say. In German, it just means Holy Night, actually. Like, Weihnachten means just Holy Night. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we don't say Christmas. We, s- we say Weihnachten. And Merry Christmas, we say Hofrohe Weihnachten. So there, there has never been a word like a Christenmasse or something like that? You can say Christmette, but that's usually more okay. referring to the actual mass. Like if you go to church, then you can go to the ah. Christmette on Christmas. Right. Nice. Nice. But by mass, we usually mean the Eucharist. Okay, so there's the celebration of the Eucharist, so the actual mass. Yeah, that is what Christmas means. And interestingly, it's been in celebration around this time of the year since only around the middle of the 4th century. So before that, no one really celebrated the birth of Jesus. Celebrating someone's birthday was a thing in Roman times, but the, the early Christians frowned upon it. And instead, they celebrated the Epiphany. So basically, the adoration of the Magi after the birth of Christ. There are several competing uh, theories as to how it became the 25th of December, because based on the very little that we know from the Gospels, mind you, among the four Gospels, there are only two that actually talk about the nativity of, the, of Jesus Christ. Luke and Matthew, that's it. The others don't even touch. It wasn't important. <laughs> it wasn't that important. And there is some dissonance between the two stories as well. There are only a couple of things that they agree on, the two accounts. One of them is that Jesus was born in Bethlehem and... The mother was Mary and the father was was Joseph. Well, that's that's debated, actually, who was the father, (laughs) I've heard. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. But based on what we know about the stories, mind you that those are the most important sources of information, I mean, the Gospels. So outside of the Gospels, there is no actual contemporary historical reference to that person. The closest in chronology were a couple of decades later and obviously referencing the teachings of the early Christians. So this is the basis uh, for some people debating even the existence of Christ as a historical person. But since nobody, even back then, debated the person itself, so no one questioned, not even early Romans 
not even when there was the Jewish uprising in 70 uh, AD, they were fought against and the Grand Temple of David was destroyed. Nobody ever questioned the existence of that person. This is very important because I think that some scholars who outright say that it's very likely that Jesus as a historical person has never existed, forget the fact that historical references are most frequently like that. If we we start questioning the existence of a historical person based on the fact that it's not cross-referenced by contemporary historians, it means that most of our history (laughs) could be forgotten, right? So I don't necessarily subscribe to the idea of dismissing the existence of this teacher, this messiah. Obviously, as a skeptic, we do have to say that even if we accept the existence, the miracles surrounding him must be debated because those... They're a bit doubtful. Those are things, Mm. yes... Maybe not. Yeah, resurrecting and all that, going up to to heaven instead of uh, leaving your body lying around uh, for a while after your death. So it's not. Most of us will have our bodies lying around a bit. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Yeah, at least sticking to our earthly. Yeah, earthly dimensions. Yeah, those are claims that require especially strong evidence. So extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. The existence of a teacher who is followed by many and being admired like a god is nothing special in history. There's no basis to debate that. But going back to how it came to be the 25th of December, based on what we know, even from the Gospels, Jesus was most probably born sometime around the spring. Yeah. So how did it move to December the 25th? It had a lot to do with uh, his resurrection and the mentioning of his resurrection being around the time that he was conceived somewhere around the end of March, the beginning of April. So if you add nine months to that, obviously that comes up to the end of December, the beginning of January. That is one thing. The other thing that is very often referenced is the ancient religions and the ancient religious system of the Romans. As a part of that, there was um, something that was called the Saturnalia. And Saturnalia was around the winter solstice. And the Saturnalia were important celebrations with gift givings and all that. And many things that became a part of the Christmas celebrations were already there in the Roman pagan celebrations and pagan festivals and all that. So it's interesting. We will probably never know. But the other thing that is interesting is that the first mention of Christmas being celebrated towards the end of the year was mentioned in the middle of the 4th century, sometime around the time of uh, Constantine the Great, who did not make it the official religion of the Roman state, but he was the first to make it widely accepted, and he did use it for his political gain. We still don't know if there is any connection to Constantine the Great, but it was not too long after his death. And since around then, it's been celebrated on the 25th of December. 
We don't know if we're celebrating the right guy. We don't know if if, <laughs> he, if he really existed at all. If the answer is yes, most probably he wasn't born on that day. But we, it's still a good cause for celebration. And even even for those who are not interested in the religious part of it, uh, like ourselves, I believe, we still find it a very nice tradition. It's a good occasion to just be with our loved ones. Yeah, COVID permitting, and uh, and have a little fun. Yeah, and that vibe, that vibe with all the music, with with all the lights and oh, and nice. all the decorations. I do like it. Yeah, yeah. I do too. yeah. I do. More on that later, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> From Christmas a topic to uh, finding out what's going on around the Vatican. Pontus, do you have something to poke the Pope for? Yeah, Christ or Jesus wasn't the only guy born around this time of the year. Jorge Mario Bergoglio was born on 17th of December, so he just had his birthday. He's now 85 years old, mm. and of course that is Pope Francis. He, 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 I must say, I think he looks a little bit younger than that. 85 is a respectful age, and uh, he is uh, carrying it pretty well. Doesn't mean he doesn't have problems, though. We'll get into that. The first thing is, I you remember I have talked about the Canadian indigenous peoples who have uh, wants a, an apology from, from Francis because of all the atrocious things that happened to some school children. And when I say some school children, we're talking about maybe a thousand school children that was sent to Canadian mm. uh, Catholic schools and um, never came back. And have been found in various graves around several schools in Canada. Pope Francis famously has never apologized on behalf of the Catholic Church, although Canadian bishops have done so. The idea was that he would receive a delegation of Canadian indigenous peoples in the Vatican last week, but it was postponed because of the pandemic. And he still hasn't come around to apologize. And I think he could do that remotely in a Zoom call or whatever. He's he just dragging his feet on this. And I, I think that's very deplorable. He's come out and said it's, he's very sad to hear about this. But, you know, come on. Very sad. Yeah, that's all you, you can say. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and he did have a Zoom call with Canadian bishops last week to talk mm. about this. But so if he can have a Zoom call with... Some Canadians, why can't he have a Zoom call with other Canadians? I don't understand that. Instead, they cancelled or postponed this meeting. And the Vatican promised now that Frankie might visit Canada next year. Might visit. That's not much of a, a promise, I think. And that was already on the table anyway. So I don't give him a lot of um, points for how he's handling this. That That's really poor. <laughs> You don't often hand out points for his way of handling stuff anyway. <laughs> well, he doesn't deserve don't it. Don't feel bad That's about that. That's how simple it is. Don't. He doesn't deserve it. <laughs> Another thing that is failing now in the Vatican is the so-called trial of the century against Cardinal Becciu and others. And that was supposed to reconvene last week. We've been talking about this since July, I think. And it's been postponed and postponed. And this is, of course, the big thing about 400 million euro, a real estate deal in, in London, worth that much. And that was A, <laughs> done with money that was supposed to go to the poor. 
and B, it never really happened. Instead, it generated a big loss and lots of money went missing in the process. And some of that may have found its way into Cardinal Betchu and uh, others' pockets. And that's what the trial is all about. And the big thing about this is that it's really, really rare, if not unheard of, that a real cardinal is getting prosecuted in the Vatican for financial crimes. But the prosecution uh, are dragging their feet and they have been uh, mismanaging everything. Last week, when it was supposed to reconvene, they came up short again and had nothing to present. And the judge had to conclude that there is no case to handle yet since the prosecution doesn't have their stuff in order. So now they say that it will resume late January uh, at the earliest. <laughs> As I've mentioned before, Frankie is supposed to be cleaning up any financial problems within the Catholic Church and in the Vatican and in the Holy See. And if all of this will just disappear and peters out, then it's really a scandal. It may not even be a mm. trial because the judge has said so. I have nothing. We don't have a trial yet because you, and pointing at the prosecution, you can't get your act together. So um, it seems to be a long, long uh, time before we know, if ever, what, what really happened on this. Uh, that's one way to celebrate your birthday, uh, Frankie. <laughs> Hope the next one will be better. And and I will say this is all the poking for this episode, but Frankie will reappear later on in this episode. So stay tuned. Mm. <laughs> Thank you very much, Pontus. I have to say that around the 25th of December, there have been quite a lot of interest by many people. There, I, I, I think, I believe there was even at least one pope, one other pope who was born on the 25th of December, but what became quite a bit of a habit in the Middle Ages was getting crowned on mm -hmm. Christmas Eve. Or, yeah. or not Christmas Eve, but on the Christmas day of day. Christmas. Charlemagne yeah. Charlemagne was the first, I believe, but after the, after him, there, there have been lots of people who wanted to get crowned on Christmas Day. Makes sense. Yeah, makes sense. Charlemagne was the trendsetter. <laughs> Hmm. Uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and as we know, since since Heribert Illich's uh, book, obviously uh, he was completely made up. Uh, he was a made up character <laughs> of history, anyway. So, We've talked uh, about that before, I believe. Uh, uh, the whole myth yeah. about uh, Charlemagne. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but but not to confuse listeners, we don't believe he didn't exist. That's one guy that probably did exist, actually. Yeah, we have yeah. some sources. <laughs> but there's this legend that it was all made up. Yeah. And they're yeah. not on YouTube, yeah. our sources, <laughs> or on our own research. <laughs> they're on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but instead of uh, lingering in the past and uh, putting together a podcast of skeptical history, we have a segment where we talk about the news. And from the past Christmas, Christmas past, I will uh -huh. take you to the future. Ooh. Is there a ghost? Nice. You are already in the future. Come on. Yes. That makes me the prime expert <laughs> for this segment. <laughs> good, good. Because GVOP did a check on prognoses, prognoses, whatever, and prophecies that were made at the beginning of 2021. And now they're checking which came true. Mm. Long story short, I'll give you a spoiler. There were a few lucky hits. 
but many misses. <laughs> but were they were they vague enough in in their predictions? Yeah, if they, if you're vague, vague oh. enough, then you will get hit. Or if you say like, I will give you an example later. But GBOP, the expert they have is Michael Kunkel from Mainz, and he did this checking of, of fortune um, tellers. And it was prophecy that a new virus from Russia was to infect brains and would turn everyone into zombies. In spring, last spring, that obviously didn't happen. COVID, mm. of course, was a topic. Some people said it will end soon. It will end in spring 2021. Others said it will get much worse. We will work on it for the next 10 years. Uh, we will not get a vaccine, whatever. <laughs> we, we don't know what, what will, will happen. So that we can pretty much find any, anything in that regard. And Michael Kunkel also mentioned some Querdenker fortune tellers, that the Querdenkers are the COVID deniers from Germany. They had prophecies like the internet will be turned off <laughs> or electricity will be blocked for unvaccinated people. All vaccinated people will die immediately once they receive the vaccine. As far as I know, those are not quite, much of that quite bold statements. <laughs> yeah. yes. Easily checked as well. If you're going to make crazy predictions like that, you should make them vague enough, as you said, Anders, that yes. people yeah. can't really control if it happens yeah. or not. Well, you can always say electricity will have trouble in Germany at some point of time because there are occasional blackouts right. and. Then and there is right, this problem you know? with the, the, the country trying to get rid of uh, nuclear power ah. and <laughs> having and trouble cold. finding mm. a replacement, right? It's easy, easily yes. predicted, actually, that uh, there will be power problems. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the German election, finally enough, also was part of the fortune-telling. Some people said it will be another date. It won't be the uh, 25th of September. It will be another date. <laughs> Why? I don't know. Others said more than 25% will vote for the AFD or that Armin Laschet will win. But the interesting thing that Michael Kunkel also noticed is that if you say, oh, the stars make it look good that he is a good man of the Venus and the Mars, <laughs> like the candidate, <laughs> then like if you're just vague enough and use enough uh, buzzwords, then you can't get that embarrassed, you know? <laughs> yeah. And there were also a lot of celebrity prophecies about their love, about their health, about their career or baby news. And this is one of the examples that I that I'm, um, I wanted to give because it's not horribly surprising if people get married that they will maybe get pregnant afterwards. Like maybe also not because it's not <laughs> a it's not a predestined path, so to say, but it's definitely not surprising. Yeah. And that's why a fortune teller that is like, oh, I can see a baby in the future of of Harry and Megan, ooh, then you're just like, ah, oh, that's not really surprising, you know? Like, yeah, of course, that's that will be a hit. <laughs> that will, yeah, you will, that will come true. Sim similarly, that the, there is uh, almost every year there is a prediction that the, the Queen, Queen Elizabeth II, dies, right? Yes, yes, and every year. Obviously, <laughs> it's it's not really out there. She's fucking old. My, yeah. my prediction is she will live forever because that's the trend so far. <laughs> Yeah. Like yeah, exactly. It's it's more likely that she will die eventually. Yeah. But this is exactly where the few hits come from. Um, but there are as many hits as mm -hmm. there are misses, or even more misses. And uh, Michael Kunkel also found it really funny that the fortune teller sometimes used very rude things, like "Oh, you're completely disorganized." in this month because you're a disorganized person or something like that. <laughs> and mm -hmm. yeah. so he, yeah, yeah. he finds it really funny that, that these fortune tellers are also sometimes pretty rude. Hmm. 
I think we need to, since you're in Australia as well now, uh, Annika, we have to mention also the Great Australian Prediction Project, yes. uh, which just recently finished yeah. by R- Richard Saunders et al., because there's a long list of people who helped out. And uh, it, should be, it would be interesting to compare statistics between Germany and Australia, <laughs> because I, I think there are similarly abysmal powers of prediction 11% of the Australian predictions over a 20-year period were labeled as correct. The others were either wrong, too vague, or expected, or impossible to control. I'd like to make a, make a prediction. I predict <laughs> if when you compare the two statistical results, you will see very similar results. And that's, a, that's an expected that's my prediction. prediction. That's, that's an expected <laughs> outcome. So you won't get any points for that. <laughs> Anika, do you know the approximate number of what the sample size was? Yeah, he used about uh, 100. So he used that prophecies uh-huh, okay. out of books and, and astrology uh, texts, websites, oh, okay. YouTube videos, uh-huh. press articles. And yeah, above 100, also out of different countries like the US, Germany, Canada, and so on. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, shall we um, stay in Germany for a while? I know, even if you didn't, Annika. What is it about uh, German doctors and fiddling with vaccines? Annika, you should know this. Why? Why? Yeah, Why? It's, Why? It's, sad. <laughs> it's sad, that's what it is. Uh, two weeks ago, we had the Lübeck doctor who made his own vaccine and gave it to thousands of people. Last week, it became known that a homeopathic so-called doctor in the Bodensee district, that's the Lake Constance district for you English-speaking people, that is in the very (laughs) south of of Germany. Uh, This doctor allegedly diluted vaccination doses with homeopathic substances. So this came to light when the doctor apparently told the worried patient that he or she, I'm not sure, had added something to the dose to make sure there were no side effects. Well, if you dilute it, of course there will be less side effects. There will be no effects at all because, <laughs> because the dose is ruined. <laughs> that's homeopathy oh, so. for you. Yeah, and that's where we usually say if there's no side effects, that's probably because there's no effect at all. Every medication, all vaccines may have some side effects because it's doing something to the body. That's the point. Well, the side effects are not the point, but the point is that you're affecting the body somewhat in some way. So, of course, after this came about, the police and the prosecutor's office have to inform everybody who received a vaccination at this practice in this clinic that they should now take an antibody test as quickly as possible to check what kind of vaccination status they have because it's unknown at the moment and if necessary they would uh, need to get vaccinated again and properly this time not by a homeopath And the problem in Germany is that you can be, well, that's not just in Germany, but you can be a medical doctor and a homeopath. Crazy as it sounds, you can be both at the same time. And if you take my advice, don't go to doctors who are also homeopaths because you don't know what they're up to. So now I have a new task for the new German health minister, Karl Lauterbach. (laughs) We have so many hopes for him. He just yes. started his job, so he hasn't disappointed yet, but it's because he's, he's only the been promised on... one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's only been on the job for a week or so. But 
after he has defunded... But be careful because Pontus is watching. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> after he has mm-hmm. defunded homeopathy, which he may do, there are signs that he may do that, then he should get rid of the homeopathic fake doctors. They are a menace mm. to the public. They are. And to the profession as well. Mm. <laughs> yes. Yeah. To the medicine, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, actually, I don't know what the situation is in your countries, but in Hungary, you cannot practice homeopathy if you're not a doctor. You have to be a medical doctor to to. You to have to be a medical doctor to practice to practice homeopathy, and you have to be a medical doctor to practice acupuncture as well. Mm. So both of them require a medical degree. Craziness, yeah, isn't that crazy? You have to be a real and a fake doctor at the same time. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. <laughs> so speaking of crazy, mm-hmm. uh, we haven't talked for a while about 5G, what crazy shit it can do to you and your health, right? Mm. Uh, so this one came in as a suggestion from two different listeners. Uh, one of them is Bob, who's our regular supplier of news items. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the other one is Claudio, who has sent in a couple of things earlier in the history of our podcast. So thanks to both of you guys. It's a good catch. And what it's all about is that in the Netherlands, these anti-5G necklaces and bracelets became so popular that... Uh, one of the authorities, the Authority for Nuclear Safety and Radiation Protection, the ANVS, decided to investigate a little and um, did some kind of examination of these products. And they found, you might have heard that it's the Authority for Nuclear Safety and Radiation Protection, there is one thing that is common about these bracelets and necklaces, that they claim that they have negative ions that will protect you from 5G radiation, first of all, and then all sorts of different other positive health-related effects are claimed by them. Now, this authority found that 10 out of the products that, that they examined had so high ionizing radiation, so actual radioactive <laughs> properties of these oh, materials, so there, so there they, can, they could find that if worn 24-7 for a longer period of time, they can actually be harmful because they can far exceed the stringent limit for skin exposure allowed in the Netherlands. So they started demanding these products to be taken off the shelves. And uh, I checked some of these products are actually really off. So I checked with Amazon and uh, they're not available at the moment. So it seems that they are at least complying with the authorities' uh, requests. But this is just outright stupid. If you think about how they try to provide you with a solution to a non-issue, to a non-problem that can actually cause you trouble. That is yeah. outrageous. It's so and ironic. Uh, They're using real radiation it hazard <laughs> to protect you from a radiation which yes. is totally harmless. Nuts. Yeah. That's pretty much what Petra Schling said. It's like there you can see, and also I think Stephanie Handel also says that the, the danger in this all, whole alternative rule stuff is that they are not regulated. Oh. 
Yeah. If you had like a protectional whatever wristband or like let's say even a mask which actually protects us from things, you know, they are regulated. Yeah. But these alternative things, they're not never regulated. So that's why something like that can happen. And it's even given to children at times, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and but these are widely available not only in the Netherlands, but since Amazon sells them or sold them, God knows how many people got a hold of them. We will add the link to the show notes to the original website of the authority where there is a complete list of the products of concern. If you own any of those products, you should probably get rid of them and you should put them away as far from your skin and your body as possible. Is there anywhere you can dispose of the radioactive products as a private <laughs> citizen? I don't know. I mean, there must be some sort of authority to t that can take care of those. I don't know. We should find out. Yes, basically, places where you ha you can uh, take uh, batteries and flat batteries and all that to safely get rid of. I would suggest those places first. But yeah, this means that we need to pay more attention and authorities need to pay more attention to these products because they should not yeah. be allowed out there. Of course not. Okay, so with that, we are moving on from the news to finding out who's been really wrong or right lately. Right, so we have two prizes to give out today, both of them suggested by people you've heard about already today. First one is from Bob, mm -hmm. and then the last one is from Claudio again. But we'll start with the really wrong award. On the 2nd of December, El País, the large Spanish newspaper, handed over a 385-page report about sex abuse by the Catholic Church in Spain. So this report concerns 251 priests who between 1942 and 2018 allegedly abused at least 1,237 children. And that is a number that could easily grow to thousands more, the El País says. Francis, I told you we were going to get back to him, he has handed over the matter to the CEE, or La Conferencia Episcopal Española, the Spanish Bishops' Conference. On the 19th of December, the big news broke in Spain that the CEE would start a big investigation. But... Just a day or two later, a spokesperson for Cardinal Juan José Omeya, who is the top on show in Spain, apparently, uh, in the Catholic Church, also the head of the CEE, he contradicted all that. And instead, he said that the CEE did not have competence to make any investigation like that. And instead, he said um, the investigation would be led by the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith from the Vatican, also formally called the Papal Inquisition. But that's not in accordance with the church law, which Francis has clearly declared. These things should be supervised by the CDF, the, the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, but it should be carried out by the church in respective country. Now, the CE also refuses to work together with El País, who already have produced this report and apparently know much more about this than they do. But the CEE refused to collaborate, and at the same time, they complain 
that in the report the names of the accused are missing, the years in which the abuse is, uh, occurred are uncertain, or it refers to deceased persons. But El Paez says that that's not at all true. The names of the victims have been withheld for privacy reasons, but a newspaper has volunteered to help CE to identify everybody involved. But as I said, they are they are refusing to collaborate with the newspaper. They um, do say uh, they urge any abuse victims to contact the church. But then again, several people have over years. Some over 20 years have been doing that. And uh, they never get any reply. <laughs> so what the CE has done now is to... Ha- they have handed over the report from El País to the authorities... But that seems the the extent of what they're going to do. They're not cooperating. They don't seem interested in doing anything. So, for first saying that they will investigate, then saying that the Vatican should do it, or the police should do it, or saying to abuse victims that they should come forward, but then not even answering their emails, and for refusing to collaborate with the people who have investigated this. For three years, El País has conducted this investigation. La Conferencia Episcopal Española, the CEE, gets today's prize for being really wrong. Well deserved. Mm-hmm. So, but let's... It's Christmas Eve as we do this, or as you listen to this, to our listeners. So let's not end on such a tragic note. Let's hand out a really right award as well. Mm, sounds this good. comes from Claudio again. On the 20th of December... The President of the Republic of Italy, Sergio Mattarella, in a public speech, asked the media in Italy to avoid inviting and interviewing representatives of the no-vax movement. He uh, talked in particular about the false balance argument, which we are very familiar with in in the skeptical community. Mm -hmm. And it's used by TV shows to invite controversial persons. But the false balance means you give just as much time to the guys spouting nonsense to the guys defending what's really real. And you don't, you shouldn't do that. You don't give the flat earthers as much time on air as you do real scientists. That there's no point in that. But it's very easy for for media to to do that. So he said, don't do the false balance thing. Don't invite the no vax movement. And um, for that, I think he deserves the prize for being really right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also yeah. well yeah. deserved. <laughs> I hope I hope the media listens to him. Sergio Mattarella is is a person he's 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 quite old uh well i don't want to put anybody down well not as old as uh, the previous um uh, president was um (laughs) napolitano he was like 90 something when he when he left office yeah the president (laughs) for people who don't know the president in italy doesn't have a lot of actual power it's more of a figurehead no it's a ceremonial yeah ceremonial post and he is 80 years old uh mattarella and he is actually pretty friendly with Frankie. So Frankie, he is... <laughs> Pope Francis keep popping up all over the place <laughs> today. And they usually... Uh, they are talking regularly, the, the two of them. So at least one of Pope Francis' uh, friends is uh, sensible. That's good to know. As far as I know, all, everything that I know about him, Sergio Mattarella, he's uh, quite well respected. And the reason for that is exactly that, that he's a serious man. Hmm. He's a professor of law, I think. Yeah, originally so. uh, from Palermo, Sicily. 
He's quite an interesting guy. I really applaud his move of using his office and respect to weigh in in this whole debate and argument that divides the whole country. It does. For some reason, Italy is a country where politicians have a tendency to go batshit crazy. And, uh, it's not just Italy, come to think of it. Yeah, you know, to but be there, honest, is, it there is no such... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. But there is no such thing as political stability in Italy. No, and never, there never has, been. has not been for a long, long time. <laughs> and it's always fallen onto the shoulders of the president of the republic to bring in the unity. And Sergio Mattarella was asked back then, he was over 90. Sorry, he's No, 80. no, 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 not, not Mattarella, sorry. Giorgio Napolitano, the, the previous president, was so old, he was over 90, but he was still asked to remain in office in order to provide the stability that the country needs in terms of political turmoil. And I believe, or so uh, as far as I know, uh, Mattarella has been able to to maintain that stability from a certain point of view. So hope he doesn't mean that he's he's just ruined all that with the statement with 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 asking the media to provide something oh. else, but this false balance. Okay, thank you very much, Pontus. Thank you. That brings us to the end of the show, but obviously we cannot leave without a quote. So Anika. Have you got one for us? Yes. <laughs> and I got special permission <laughs> to quote a British-Australian person called Tim Minchin, who uh, is a singer that a lot of skeptics probably know. He was born in 1975. And love. And love, yeah. And I got a quote very fitting to this episode and where I am right now. <laughs> and it's a quote out of my favorite Christmas song, White Wine in the Sun. And the quote is, I really like Christmas. I don't go in for ancient wisdom. I don't believe that just cause ideas are tenacious. It means that they're worthy. And mm -hmm. yeah, I think that that captures it really well. And with that, I think we probably want to wish all of our listeners a Merry Christmas and Frohe Weihnachten, right? <laughs> right. Merry Christmas. Yes. Good Jul. <laughs> and if you want to wish us a uh, Merry Christmas, you can do it on any of our channels or on Facebook uh, via email or on Patreon. If you feel like uh, leaving us a gift as well. Yes, exactly. You can go to patreon.com slash the ESP. And uh, if you want to, you can sign up to, to send us a, a buck for each episode or two bucks or 50 bucks or much bucks you have i don't know what a buck is maybe you should send uh, euros <laughs> but you send whatever you can and uh, we will appreciate it very much thank you yes as far as i know the buck the meaning of a buck was originally uh beaver hide don't send us those that we have no <laughs> use for those don't send them we have all we can handle and that 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 was worth a lot of money back then. So, uh, oh, okay. yeah, <laughs> never mind. But our Canadian listeners can correct me if I'm wrong on that. But <laughs> that really concludes our show. And we wish you all a very nice holiday season, regardless of whether you celebrate Christmas as a, as a Christian tradition or not. And I'd like to thank both, both of you, Onika and Pontus, for joining me today. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Many thanks to our listeners as well for tuning in. And until next week, which will be the last episode of the year, goodbye. Tschüss. Hello. Wislat. 
This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments, or death threats to info at the ESP.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know, as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Schraub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe Anika? Yes. Are you there? <laughs> More on that later. Okay, yeah. okay good. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Sorry, still sorry. a bit jet lagged. <laughs> yeah, 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 sorry. Vislat. Ah, you remembered. Very good. I did it! <laughs> I did it! <laughs> good boy. Good boy!